April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Cam Haynes is one of the outdoor industry's most influential leaders. An outdoorsman at an early age, Cam fine-tuned his archery skills until he was an accomplished bow hunter and outdoor writer. I had heard Cam speak about his respect for the animals he pursues, and I was curious to hear the story about how he became the hunter he is today. In this episode of Anchored, I sit down with Cam at his home in Oregon to discuss his introduction to the sport, our responsibility as hunters, and his opinion of his own journey within the industry. Uh, Well, it's really good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for making time for me. Just so everyone knows, I left at 8 o'clock this morning. The map on Google says you're seven hours from me. So I sounds easy. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's not. No. <laughs> no, it's now seven it's, month old. It's eight PM. Mm-hmm. That's a twelve hour day. And that we didn't is. even stop for lunch. Oh man. Obviously we fed Adelaide, but yeah. it, it was pretty frantic. So thank you for making time at no, eight no o'clock problem. at night for me. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Let's talk about you. I don't know if you even know what the show's about. So yeah. I've actually listened to some. I oh, don't wow, I'm not cool. I've never fly fished ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I've listened to your podcast because this girl at work, she's, I don't know, we always, we talk about podcasts. So she told me about yours and I'm like, well, I'll listen to it. And so I listened to, I, I don't know, one, you had one old guy, like some legend flight. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, it was, kind of, it was pretty interesting, but her voice was awesome. So oh, I would, li- I would listen just to hear your voice. Well, that's very kind. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the show's really about timelines. So let's just start real simple with where you were born and raised. I was born and raised right here in Eugene, Oregon. Lived here my whole life. Is Eugene pretty small? It's about 150,000. So it's a college town. University of Oregon is here. And yeah, it's pretty laid back. Yeah. When I was trying to get the hotel room out here, I didn't want to accidentally put myself like an hour away from you. Right. And I didn't have your address. Okay. So I kind of looked up on the map to see how big the town is. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it seems like it's pretty user friendly. Yeah, it is. It's it's a great place to live. Yeah. yeah. Now, talk to me about growing up a little bit. Did you come from a pretty regular family? Were your parents together? Uh, no. So pretty regular in that divorced parents and you know. <laughs> isn't does it, isn't that true though? Huh. And dysfunction. Okay. All right. And what age were you when that went down? Um, let's see. So I was about five, and then my brother was about three. My parents split up, and uh, then. My uh, mom, there was a stepdad involved, and yeah, I didn't like him because he wasn't my dad. Yeah, and you know, missed my dad. Would go back and forth living between my mom and my dad. But then when I lived with my dad, I'd miss my brother. So yeah, it was the whole same old thing. That's actually really tough. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Okay. So then, was your dad an outdoorsman, or was your mom an outdoors Mm. woman or person? No, no. And so the funny thing is, is my stepdad, who I didn't like, was the hunter. Oh, so he got me started in hunting, and as a as an olive branch, you know, to try to build something between us. And um, you know, it didn't. I didn't still didn't want to hang out, but I liked the hunting part. The funny thing is, is now is they're still married, and he's a good guy. Oh, so, so you get on with him now? Yeah, yeah, yep. So oh, everything's good. Well, that actually that's a pretty interesting lesson. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. But as a kid, you know, you don't. 
you just know what you like and know what you want and you don't you're not really interested in the big picture right so was it sort of like once a year kind of thing it was just like hunting was just sort of on just weekends and you know i mean it was not serious it's just like what everybody does it's not it's not like uh it was going to be a career or anything like that did you fish a little bit yeah i you know so i fished growing up too just in the small stream behind our house Okay. Yeah. So native cutthroat. So it was like, you know, a 10 to 12 inch fish was, I mean, the world record in our own world record in that little creek was 15 inches. Okay. All right. That gives me some sort of uh, context there. But they were tough. I mean, you would, you know, as you know, you'd have to sneak up to the water. They would see you if you, you know, stood up too tall and you'd have to just kind of like throw your line in there and you'd get one chance. Right. And then you'd go into the next hole. So that's hunting. Yeah. In its yeah, own for form. fish, yeah. So what do you think back then appealed more to you about hunting than fishing? Um, fishing was just, I don't know, we'd do that almost every day. And then hunting was, uh, you know, the, the prize was bigger. You know, you could get one deer a year. So if you killed a nice buck, I mean, that was a big deal. And you guys ate all the meat, yeah. obviously. Yeah, that's that's what it was for. Okay. Yeah. So then what happens from there? I'm assuming you went to high school. Yeah, in that small town that we that I lived in. It's Actually, I didn't grow up in Eugene. It was a small town outside of Eugene. And uh, so my high school class had 24 or 28 kids in it. And it was just a small school. We lived out in the country. And, uh, yeah, I just, I was basically just played sports there, football, basketball, baseball, and that's just what I did. Okay, so super athletic. I don't know about that, but that's what I like to do. Okay. <laughs> now, I think I did read somewhere in my in my very half-assed Google stock that your dad was big into, was it running? Yeah, he was, uh, some. yeah, my real dad just... He was an amazing athlete, and uh, he did track and gymnastics. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he he was, you know, from Eugene here, and uh, I've heard stories about him that he was a legend, and he got a scholarship at the University of Oregon for gymnastics, and then school didn't work out there, and then so went to Oregon State on a track and field scholarship. So he he was amazing. Yeah. Is he still around? No. Oh, he, I'm sorry. He died in uh, July 5th, 2010. Do you still, and this is totally jumping ahead, but is that part of the reason why you still run? Like, do you kind of connect with him when you're out there? I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe when I got, go- when I got started doing it, maybe it was, because uh, he didn't, so I think you started to ask, but he, he didn't hunt. He'd actually make fun of me for hunting. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was from the city in here. I lived out in a small town with my mom and stepdad. And he would say, you know, every time I killed something, I would lose brain cells. And, oh, wow. Okay. And so just kind of giving me a bad time. But he never hunted ever. And But my in athletics and in running, then that was what we, we had a connection there. Yeah. But that, you know, so maybe... I remember he would come out when I was in grade school and watch me run. I wasn't that good, but I would try really hard, and he would be there, and I'd be, you know, I'd be a big deal. But um, yeah. Okay. What college did you go to? 
I went to Southern Oregon State and then just a community college here in town called Lane Community College. With the intention of taking, or what did you take? I took criminal justice and then also I wanted to be a writer. So I switched back and forth because I loved writing. I loved writing about my hunts. Were Mm -hmm. you writing for any magazines or anything at that time? Not at that, not in college, but then I started after college and I always, that's what I always wanted to do. And then I ended up writing two books and being the editor of a magazine and have written a lot since then. Was there somebody, you know, you read a lot of their work or was there a magazine you read when you were getting into it to learn? Yeah. I mean, I, as a kid, I'd read Jack London, like White Fang and Mm -hmm. Call of the Wild. Well, no wonder you like writing. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great storyteller. And then growing up, I would read all the bowhunting magazines. So that was Chuck Adams and Dwight Shue and kind of those guys who were pioneers of archery. Were you shooting a bow with your stepdad or were you guys no, strictly on guns? Just rifle, okay. rifle. My buddy Roy, let's see, I think it was about 18 or 19, he started bow hunting. He went to high, the same high school I did. And he, he started bow hunting the year before I'd, I started. And he's, he goes, dude, you got to start with the bow he goes there's way more animals you'll see and because they weren't pressured like with rifle season so you'll see more and there's less people i'm like okay that sounds good so just got the cheapest bow i could afford and started practicing and from then on that's all i've done and what age was this this was around 19 you're about 19 okay so it's been 30 years yeah how old are you if i can ask 50. Is that offensive to ask guys that? Um, it's not offensive when people ask me how so. old I am. I think my last three consecutive guests have said, I don't, I don't think it's relevant. And I'm like, well, it is relevant. <laughs> it's, it does matter. But, you know, because, okay, so you're 50. Well, you're 25? Yeah. I'm 35. I'll be 36 soon. Oh. Well, I used to lie and say, you know, I was 10 years younger. So I. Why, though? Why would a man lie about his age? But then, but then when I was, so if I'm 50, then I'd lie and say I'm 40. And I'm like, well, that's still old. So what I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to take off twenty years now, so that gets a little silly. No, just embrace it. Think so? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Guys get better as they get older. <laughs> okay. I mean, women do too. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit then about how it starts to come into your profession. I don't even know if it is a profession. Like, there's so much I have to ask you. Okay. Let's just get back to to college. A lot of people, when they're in university, college, whatever it is, your post-secondary, yeah. they end up getting distracted with either academics or women and mm-hmm. or men, in, you know, in cases like for women. And they put down the sport Well, actually, men and men now. And me, Yeah. Right. I can't see? keep up with it, honestly. <laughs> I just cannot keep up with the world nowadays. I'm joking. So, yeah. But, yeah, we've got to be PC every time we turn around. So stupid. And, um, yeah. So, what about you? I mean, were you chasing men? Were you chasing women? Were you chasing unicorns? Were you chasing <sighs> Year, were you chasing academics? What were I you on to? Well, so when I went to Southern Oregon State, I wanted to play football down there. So I played football, and basically, I, I didn't have any money. So I was like student loans. My, I think my grandma gave me some money for gas. I used to use her card for gas. So I mean, college just wasn't a priority. In my for my family at that time, mm. and uh, I was you know kind of off doing my own thing, and so I ended up not having enough money to go to school, lost interest, and then just got a was part time job, and I was hunting, and uh, man, I was like going nowhere, like it in was, in life, in life, yeah, it was, I don't know. How do you define going somewhere? I mean, were you were hunting? Were you happy? Um. 
Yeah, I mean, I wanted to I wanted to hunt every day. Right. So yeah. does that go? But I was making like four dollars an hour. Okay, so you mean financially, you weren't going anywhere. In life, I wasn't going nowhere. I mean, it was like, yeah, yeah it was. I don't know. I was, I was, didn't really have any direction. Okay, so you weren't driven at all at that point. Not really. I was kind of just hanging out, drinking beer on the weekends. Yeah, I didn't really have any big hopes and dreams. Okay, that's changed. You appear to be extremely driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's changed. I mean, I was young, and I don't know. What happened? Oh, man. You know, know, when I started bow hunting, so I was pretty young, and I ended up, I killed a bull elk. That was my first kill. And I got a little bit of attention for that, you know, even amongst in my small town. It's like, man, I got some positive feedback and felt like I'd done something special. Mm. So that felt good because killing a killing a bull elk, I don't care what size it was, with a bow is not easy. No. And uh, was this in where did this happen? Here, just right outside of town, just just here in Oregon, and um, that felt good, you know. So I'm like, well, dang it. You know, I just liked that. So I kept bow hunting. I kept having more adventures. Then I started writing about it. And I was, I had a connection with just regular guys just like me. And I'd tell the story and I'd speak of the struggles and I'd, you know, write articles like uh, committed to the wilderness or uh, just just stuff about working hard, being in the mounds, coming of age in the mounds and, you know, being fearful about going in deep by myself and second guessing my abilities. And so that kind of resonated with guys just like me. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of started building some steam and, uh, I don't know, it just developed into something. And then I had a dream of writing a book about hunting black tailed deer, which is the, you know, the deer here in Oregon on the Western side, the Colombian black tail. And I'm like, well, maybe I could write a book. So I borrowed money from everybody I knew, my mom, my grandma, my in-laws, and I would just made a bunch of terrible decisions doing this book. I made it all full color, big, thick paper, just like the nicest book ever. And it costs... Cha-ching. Yeah. That's all I'm thinking. It costs like 56,000 bucks. Yeah. And I didn't have any of my own money. And this is before, this is pre-internet days, so you can market yeah. them? pre-internet. How are you planning on selling them? I have no idea. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So... I was hoping that just from, I had built a little bit of a name for myself and I would have a website and I'd sell them. So as it turns out, I I think I, I printed off 5,000 books for $56,000 and uh, ended up, I mean, I sold them, paid everybody back, huh. but that I didn't, maybe if I didn't make money off those books, it gave me confidence and opened the doors and people knew that, oh yeah, you're the guy who wrote this book. And so it gave me more opportunity. Is it still available? Can people still get this book? Yeah. Through you? Yeah. There's only, I think there's only about one case left. Wow. So get on it, people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think I want to sell them because I got to, I got to have a sum for myself, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, actually, no, I don't even know. I think they're still for sale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I sell a, a lot of my second book. The, it's called Backcountry Bow Hunting. Okay. And when did that book come to be? I see. So the first book came out in, in 1999. The second book came out in 2006. Okay. So it's been it's been out for 12 years, and now it's sold. Man, I just did another run. It's sold 50,000 copies. Are you happier with the second book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so the first book... I sold close to Mm 5,000, the second book, 50,000. 
Yeah, a lot of that is you being more popular yeah. too. But yeah. you internally, did you, do you feel you wrote better in the second? I would imagine you wrote better in the second. Yeah, one. I did. Yeah, I did. Was it as personal to you as the first one was? Yeah, it was. It because it was more. You're invested more. It was about hunting in the wilderness in the backcountry, mm-hmm. and you're more invested when you got to go in deep in the mountains as opposed to if I'm just driving out in the hills from the house and I'll be back tonight. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So there was definitely a more connection with the mountains and the and myself and and the challenges and and all that with the second book. It's it's I mean, I put everything into that book. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. When you look back at your younger self, do you think that a lot of that was for attention or was it because you were finding yourself by sharing it? with other people? Hmm. Um, Matt, probably both. Probably a little bit of both. I mean, young men especially, I think, want attention. You know? I mean, it feels like. Um, there's some ego, you know? I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't have any ego. But also, I would say that you know, if I'd go in deep in the wilderness for 10 days, I learned more about myself in those 10 days than years here. Yeah. You know, you, you, the whole thing about all the comforts of home we take for granted, mm, you know, and then absence makes a heart grow fonder. So whoever you cared about here, all of a sudden, you know, in the mountains, you're just like, you miss them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, when I get back, I'm going to, man, I'm going to be so much nicer. I'm going to yeah. be, you know, so it's all that. It's just, so... Maybe part of it was like I, I like the feedback, but at least as much or more is what it did did for me to develop myself to to become a man. Yeah, and it's the same thing for I think a lot of anglers, and I mean it was the exact same thing for for me, really. Yeah, was it? Yeah, everything just different out there. You know, even my place is my camp is not off the grid by any means, but mm-hmm. I don't have power and I don't have water and oh, all those okay. things. So you know, I've got to go pump my own water. It tastes better. Yeah. I cook all my food on the fire. Oh. Tastes better. Yeah. I gotta make my own heat. It feels better. Yeah. I don't see my husband for months on end. Right. When I see him, I'm crazy yeah. about him. And yeah. Then, you know, the reality kicks in. <laughs> but, you know, in the absence of all of those yeah. things, everything just, you appreciate it more. Yeah. And and you have all this time to really think about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And it changes. I mean, every year, every trip, you just learn something new, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it still, are you still finding that at 50? I'm sorry, at, at 40? 30. Yeah, 30. I'm taking 20 off now. <laughs> Takes 20 off. <laughs> Slash it down. <laughs> yeah, so 30's not, I mean, that's not that old. Um, I don't even know if I'd want to be 30 again. <laughs> it's like just out of 20s. I yeah. know. No, no, I'll take where I'm at now. Okay. <laughs> Embrace your 50. Okay. Uh, what, was, what was the question again? Are you still finding yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a different part of the journey, you know, so, but there's always... You're always learning, I think. You're always developing. There's different huge milestones or experiences. You know, I mean, now it's, you know, I remember my my friend Roy who got me started bow hunting. Now I think back on all the, the times we shared together. And, um, you know, in 2015, he fell and died. And so since then, it's like a, a before Ro- before he died and then after. And it's like, it's, you know, lots changed. That's pretty profound. Yeah. Uh, when was your first entry into the industry? Or was your book the first real entry? Um, man, I don't know. You know, I, I, there's a, a magazine. It's called Eastman's. 
hunting journal and Eastman's bow hunting journal. And they were like a Western or they are a Western based magazine and they are real glossy color and it's like cool to get your stuff in there. So I wrote a story, a a few stories for them actually, and they didn't pay anything. Mm -hmm. And that developed in, they liked my writing style and that developed into, uh, I was like a field editor or what was it called? I think field editor. Oh, managing editor maybe? And then I became the editor of the magazine. Oh wow. What was the subscription base? Um twenty five thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still it's not huge nowadays, but I was able to get to twenty five thousand people. You know, that was a big deal at that time. Mm-hmm. So that was in two thousand to two thousand eight. Oh wow, you were there for a long time. Yeah. Was yeah. that your full time job? No. What were you doing on the side? What I do right now? Oh yeah, I was doing. Yeah, I still had the same job I had now. The where I, the job I have now, I've had for twenty two years. I still don't know what you do. What's yeah. your job? I don't either. I thought you were a social media star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love when people say that they make all their living on social media. It's like what? Uh, what? No, you got, no. Yeah, I'm basically a celebrity. You're big, no. you're a big deal. <laughs> so the water and power company in town. I'm I'm a superintendent there. Okay. And you have to work nine to five. Yeah. Sucks. Okay. Do you get a lot of vacation? It doesn't. Time? I don't want to say it sucks. This is kind of like my go to thing I say. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry, boss. Uh, I love my job. Yeah. Yeah. I live for it. No, I just kind of say it. I mean, I, if, I, if I was that miserable, I wouldn't work there. The people I work with are good. I like, I like them. I, I like it's just, it's all about just time. It's, you know, it's, I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do, but when I'm there, I enjoy it right. and I enjoy the challenge of it. I, I like working with the people and I like trying to help them succeed. So I can't say I hate it or it sucks. It's no, stupid. but you do have a family to support. Yeah. I don't know how personal that is, but I've just met your wife. She's beautiful. Yeah. You've got two kids, <laughs> three, three kids. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And how old are they all? They are. I see my oldest is 25 now. He's in the no ar- kidding. <laughs> He's in the army. I know for 30 years old. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you started so early. <laughs> I did. I was five. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's in the army. My true who you met is he's third year over here at the university of Oregon Cool. and advertising. And then Taryn is my daughter. She's going to be a freshman in high school. Wow. Mm. Okay. So with three kids, yeah, it I, makes sense that you'd have a, a job, right? Right. A, re, a real job. I yeah. say. I mean, I don't know. You can have jobs that aren't a nine to five. Yeah. That are still real jobs. So it's right. not. You know, it's not that I'm implying that other people don't have real jobs, but you have like a, like a time, regular like person a time clock. job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through the timeline from there. You write for a magazine. You're there till 2008. You've got this job. Mm-hmm. 2008. And hold on. Let me think about that. That's 10 years ago. So before Instagram. And it would have been 2008. Facebook's ex- in existence. It was. That was sort of like uh, it was a weird time. I thought I, I I recognized Facebook as being a good opportunity. And I cannot wait to hear what the public thought about you recognizing that. Well, no, it was the magazine I worked for. Is mm-hmm. they? It was kind of like. I mean, I wouldn't have been there without them. So I can't, I'm not going to say anything bad, but I'm just saying it was kind of a weird time because I was getting, uh, I don't want to say super popular or whatever, but I was getting popular. The magazine was always popular, but the magazine was called Eastman's Hunting Journal. My last name is not Eastman's. They started the magazine, but all of a sudden it was like, who's more popular? 
you know, a little bit. I mean, they were still bigger, but still there was like the advertisers wanted to use me in the advertising. I mean, so I totally get it. I can't say anything bad, but I remember there was a magazine and they, we got some feed negative feedback from a reader that said, you know, Cam had a feature on this, a thing on this, and then seven advertisers had them on full page ads. Mm, full saturation. Yeah. So it was like... Two, what did they used to say about me? TMA, too much April. So you were TMC. Yeah. And I, I mean, they would send me like letters that people wrote in. I remember this one, this kid from Utah wrote in and said, if I see another picture of Cameron Haynes, I'm going to puke. Okay. So were you putting yourself in these ads though, and, and no, in the layout of the magazine? No, I because it's, it's almost like a radio that plays your song too much. If you don't have a say, it's really frustrating because they're killing your image with oversaturation. Yeah. Well, the, so they they said I was the editor, but I was here. They put the magazine together back there, the layout, so I didn't yeah. even really see it. And, but the advertisers, they would say, "We want to use Cam in this ad." And we'll we'll buy this ad, you know. So so some I think some would say that if he can't be in the ad, then we won't buy the ad. Right. So it's like it's a whole business part. It's kind of a transition. It was it was just a hard time. And so I was I was on Facebook, and my Facebook was going good. So I wrote this column about how you know Facebook was going to be like this big thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. I don't know. It was just that was 2008, and just just how that um, it was just kind of a, it was a hard time because of all that going on, and then it just was like you know what? Maybe I mean I can't be on every page in the magazine. I understand their point. Maybe it'd just be easier if I just did something else. Yeah. So that was kind of the transition into celebrity. <laughs> No, into nothing. I didn't have anything else to, I just wasn't writing for them anymore. Okay. So where do you, what do you do from there? I would imagine you didn't lay dormant for too long. No, I mean, I wanted to write, you know, I still loved writing. So I just started writing. I think I got a column in Bowhunter magazine and started to do that. And then I got, let's see, what else did I do? I don't know. That's a big magazine. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, it was a good column. Yeah. It's always, God. The egos and hunting, and I, I'm not taking myself out of it, but it's like people would say, because I would write and I would just say what I do, and people would say, you don't do that, or you're making that up, or I don't know. What, what is an example of something that people would call you out for that saying that you didn't do it? Well, like right now, what I do training-wise, if there wasn't proof like of, what I do, Instagram or like your tracker on your phone, nobody would believe that that's what I do. And you don't mean hunting? Well, I guess hunting training and gym training is the same thing. But you mean like when you're like running. running? Yeah. Okay. So if I would say that back then, they would say I'm lying. Oh. Now I just now I just show that you know I did a marathon, you know, last few days in a row. Mm-hmm. And Silly people, because all it does is just drive you to more m- motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Further, so yeah. so it was like. I don't know. It's like there's. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just been, it's just been hard. Sometimes hard in the industry, just because um, everybody's trying to work, make their way. So it's basically a competition. Yeah, I get the feeling in the hunting industry. I don't know anything about the hunting hunting industry. I'll never be in mm-hmm. the hunting industry. Yeah, it's a decision I made a long time ago. But I get the. It feels like there's some competition going on. There, there is. It's competition, and so what would happen is instead of 
saying, oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, that's, I don't know, you can say they need to say that it's inspiring, but instead they would just talk shit about what I do. Okay, so you decided to start blogging, I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I totally just, guessing, but I that just, seems to be the progression. I, I think I'm trying, I think I'm saying that maybe I'm saying everybody else had a problem with me, but maybe it was me. You know how it's like, if you, if you start looking and, and like, you're like, you see all these trends that people, all these people have a problem with like the one thing and you're like, well, is it that one thing or is it everybody else? So I'm thinking if I was the one thing that everybody had a problem with, maybe it's me. But maybe you were too ambitious in some people's eyes. I don't know. Maybe that's an excuse. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Were you an asshole? Probably. You think? I don't know. Like, do you look back at your own behavior and shake your head or do you go, you know what? I really was my best back then. No, I don't think I was my best. I think I was partly, I was to blame for some, I think it was part of, you know, wanting something so bad. Uh, but what did you want? Like, what was it that you wanted? Um, opportunity. Were you looking for free stuff? Were you looking for free trips? Were you looking for notoriety? Were you looking for more time to reflect? Were you looking to get out of your nine to five? <laughs> so that song has been in my I head. Know. That's why I laughed. <laughs> um, I don't know what I was looking for. I, th- I think maybe, maybe all of that, or maybe just, you know, when I started bow hunting, I would see people and I'd see like, I remember thinking, man, all these people I looked up to, these famous bow hunters, I remember thinking to myself, I could do that too. I could do that too if I just had the opportunity. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resource. I didn't have any access to any great hunts. Nobody knew me. Nobody, you know, really cared about what I did. So it was like I fought every day to try to to make my way. Mm. And maybe I just went about it. Maybe I could have went about it better. Well, that's fair. I think that's very mature to yeah. think about it that way. I don't know. I mean, I've had time now, and now I'm, I see what happens, and I see how the Instagram and the likes and all this. And so I, I, see, I, I see what guys are doing, and I think I can relate because I know, I know what they're doing, and so I can't hate on them because I'm like, I did the same stuff. You know, everybody's just trying to make a mark. Coming up, Cam and I have a heart-to-heart about the conflicts of being a sponsored hunter. Liking this episode? Please leave a review about Anchored on iTunes. My number one sponsor during that time has been Under Armour. And how long and, uh, has that been going for? Oh, man, 2004. They've had yeah. you on staff or, on, or ambassador yeah. longer than any of their other yeah. ambassadors. Athletes, yeah. yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. That, that is. It's amazing. And uh, there's been there's even been times lately where I've had the same thoughts that I had before, like going up with the Eastmans and all that, thinking, God, am I wearing out my, my welcome here, even with Under Armour? And I'm like, I just, I think the biggest problem, and I, what sucks is people are going to listen to part of this and probably form an opinion like, like halfway through and go, that guy is a dick. And I hope they can just listen to the whole thing before they form an opinion on me. But, uh, you know, part of the, I think the biggest problem with all this is I wanted opportunity, but also when I, then when I get it and then there's obligation and then there's, they're saying, Hey, we're going to give you this much money and you have to do this much. I hate the business part of hunting. Mm. I hate it because I don't, I've never done what I do for money. I do it because I love it. And so I almost want to sabotage 
like subconsciously want to sabotage this stuff because I hate the business part of it's the the hunting is so pure to me and, and what I love and it's made me who I am and I'm taking money for it, almost feel dirty a little bit and I'm like I almost I it just I, I just don't like it is it accepting money does it have anything to do with death of animals or is it just simply that you no. feel that you're taking money what what's, what would an obligation be if it's not having to kill an animal what would be a dirty obligation for you besides having to sign a contract um I mean, hunting is pure. Hunting is, and it's my passion. It's what I love. And when you when you muddy the waters a little bit with with money being involved in it, then it's not so pure. Depending. Well, that's how I see. That's how I. I mean, I think back, and I remember like there's been a few times where I say, like I'm looking at this buck right here, this white tail buck up on the wall. That was 2004. That was the first hunt that anybody ever paid for me to go on, and uh. Mossy Oak had me on the hunt. And so I was back there and let me think. No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That was in Alabama, but the same same place. Anyway, so I was on this hunt in Georgia, 2004, with Mossy Oak. I was bow hunting. There's deer running around. It's pretty good. They said, hey, our TV show is going to be here tomorrow. They're going to be here, but they're only going to be here for one day. So, you know, we know you, want, you, you like to bow hunt, but they're only going to be here for one day. So, what we'll do is there's an area we save for bow hunting, but we'll let you use a rifle. We'll get it on film, and then you can be, like, Masioka Obsession, I think, was a TV. You can be on TV. It'll help you. It'll help us. It'll be, it'll be great for the story. And uh, um, so they'll be here tomorrow, and we'll do that. You'll kill a nice buck. And I'm like, um, I don't rifle hunt. And they said, well, no, no. Yeah, we know. We know, but for the TV show. And so it'd be good for, for you and it'd be good for us. And, you know, it's just, they only have the day. So we'll just do that. And I said, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to kill anything with a rifle. I don't rifle hunt. Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> so I said, I'll hunt. I mean, I'll, I'll hunt. They'll go out with me and it'd be cool. And, you know, if, if one comes and I kill with the bow, then that'd be great. And so that's what we did. And I didn't kill one. I wasn't on the show. No, there's no dead animal for the shit. Didn't work out. Like, so, I mean, but you, but you didn't do anything dirty because you stay true to your integrity. Right. But I mean, I, I, I get what they're saying too. Well, what are they saying? We need dead stuff for television. Well, there it's a business. Nope. Next. Like I just do not dig it, but But it's a business. I get it. I can't hate on them. That's the name of the game. That's the business of it. Sure. But you don't have to partake in it. I, I signed up to be on, you, know, you, signed, you signed up to do you to hunt, and they chose not to use it. Right, right. And so they, I mean, and they understood. Well, they sort of understood mm-hmm. at first, is because a lot of guys would have been, oh yeah, I'll do that. Because they listen. This is an out of state hunt. They paid for, and if somebody would have said, okay, I'll do that, fine, that's fine. But it's it's they respected me enough to say, okay, that's your personal choice. Sort of get it, sort of not, you know, but that's fine. So, I mean, it wasn't, there was no ill feelings, but I just knew that I had to, I had to stick to, you know, I just had to just be true to myself. Yeah. But you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about any of that because you stay true to yourself, your own integrity, but stories like that Mm -hmm. hopefully will inspire people to do the same, stay true to themselves. Right. right? But at that time I thought, God, did I just screw up? 
is this like the last hunt I'm ever going to go on? Because they're like, this dipshit. And we pay for him to come down here. We need him to get a kill. I mean, so I didn't know at that time of like, oh my, what did I do? But what about now when you look back? Now, of course, it's a great decision. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fine. I mean, I would I would, I would, have felt, I don't know how I'd feel. But I mean, now it worked out. But at that time, you know, I just mentioned the competition. You can't make poor decisions in business and expect to be around. So... That was that could have been a poor decision on my part. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. But I mean, still, at that time, I'm like, oh, God. So it was, you know, it's just stuff like that that, that I don't like. Yeah, but I think that the sport needs people like that. I understand that you're just, you know, you said a few minutes back that you wonder sometimes if you're dirtying up a pure sport by taking money for it. We're not going to dive into, like, money here. So I don't know what your real job brings in versus this, but you know, like for me, my real, my full time job is working and fishing. Okay, I need to get paid for it mm-hmm. because if I'm going to keep going out there and inspiring people, because I, I really do enjoy inspiring yeah. people. I yeah. need, I need to eat and feed my child and pay my right. bills. Right. So I have no problem taking money for it as okay. long as I stay true to my integrity. Mm-hmm. I sleep at night and I say no. And I, and I, I'm able to be around in the industry long enough or to do podcasts like this to tell people listening, mm-hmm. tell them to pound sand if yeah. they ask you to do something you don't believe in. Right, right. So don't feel, don't feel dirty. Well, now, now I don't have to do what I don't want. Now, because right. now the, tie, the tables have turned a little bit and now I have, because of social media, I have power. Mm-hmm. Before... If I didn't have a magazine to write for, if I didn't have a TV show to be on, if I, I had to do what they said, or I was, there's another guy, you know, right outside the door or a phone call away that would do it. But now, you know, because, because of social media, things have changed a little bit. So it's, you know, it's a little bit different. So how have things changed with social media? <laughs> it's like anytime these new platforms come out, because I'm like, well, my Facebook is doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. God, do I have to start all the way back over it? zero and so you never really know if it's going to work because then twitter's been the same and i've never even really got on twitter's kind of updated automatically off of facebook i've never made a specific twitter post right it just happens so i've kind of been like slow on some stuff but instagram i liked it was easier than facebook for updating and then, or for posting. And then I would just, I think the key for me has been just making sure I put quality content on and that's why it's grown. And regular content. You're very active on there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, well, I, I noticed that. So if I, it was just, okay, it's not like this in depth uh, investigation that I had to do, but so if I would do six posts a day, yeah. so for seven days, it says your insights on Instagram. If I do six posts a day, it w- I would get out to 18 to 20 million people in- on insights. If I did three a day, it would be half that. No kidding. Yeah. Because, yeah, you do. Po- I did notice that you post several times in the day. Yeah, multiple to- times in the day. Well, three is 10 million, six is 20 million. Why so, do you want to reach so, 20 million? So, which is better? Have more of an impact. What kind of impact are you trying to have? Oh, just make a positive difference. What kind of positive difference? <laughs> what kind? This What's is, your message? <laughs> I don't know. I try to, I, you know, I, I see, I know people get um, inspired or get, get uh, motivated to make, uh, you know, to exercise or to shoot a bow or to just understand even just as, where their meat comes from. It's just like, I, 
another reason why I've been successful is because I'm not just hunting. Um, you know, it's running. I got a lot of people who follow me for running. I thought you were a personal trainer. Right. I thought your full-time job was personal training mm-hmm. and that you hunted on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, so with each of those three as a vehicle, I reach how, I don't know how many people, but you know, it's, it's, it just increases my reach. Do you think that there's a major influx right now with people in fitness and hunting? Or do you think that hunters have always trained so hard and it just wasn't advertised or aired anywhere? No, I don't think hunters have trained hard at all. Do you think they do now? It seems some to be do. a trend. Some do. I mean, some have seen the success I've had and so want to mimic it. If you weren't an athlete, mm-hmm. would you still train as hard as you do now for hunting? Well, the reason why... I. I just noticed that the better shape I was in, the more success I had because I, I was think, hunting the mounds and I would yeah. just, so it, it's been an evolution and I've, it wasn't like I was always running a hundred and 200 mile races. Mm-hmm. It's started with a 10 K then a half marathon, then a marathon, then a 50 K. And with those, my hunting successes and expectations has also went up. So it's like they go hand in hand. People, sometimes don't like want to admit that because they they like hunting but they hate running so they're like oh that guy you know he thinks you need to run a marathon every day to kill an elk it's like i've never said that all i said is what it's done for me i've never told anybody they should do something do anything yeah if on my answer i never i never say here's what you need to do i've learned the hard way i'm not an expert on anything i've put in the time and all I can say is what it's done for me, but I can't tell people what to, I'm not. I'm not going to tell people what to do. Fair enough. You're obviously very goal driven. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your archery. Did I read that you broke the world record archery in distance? Is that right? Oh, that was. Oh, I mean, it was unofficial, but at that time, I, I think the world record was 219 yards to hit a, a a a four foot by four foot target, and then I hit a balloon at. 239 or 37 yards. So it was unofficial though. Have you done it more than once? Yeah, yeah. I've done it a lot. No kidding. Yeah. That is so, I mean, that is impressive. Come on. Come on. Um, It is. It is. Because there's always a part of me who's, I mean, you're attractive, you work hard, you post a lot of muscles. He posts good at you looking animals. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, man, is he really good? Well, no, I don't know. Green Tree not. says he's good. So that's, oh, that's, that's, that's counts good. for me. Yeah. But I was still wondering, I was like, well, like how good is he? Not, not that good. And then I started really looking into that, into mm-hmm. your, into the distance, because mm-hmm. I had seen you do a post as well about. I think you took a shot on. I cannot remember if it was an elk, but it was a really long distance shot. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people were giving you shit about mm-hmm. it being too long. And I actually wondered the same thing. I thought, well, is it ethical? Is he? Mm-hmm. Because I would never take a shot past 40, but right. I also couldn't hit, like, I, I, when I hit the 80 mark, I'm like, oh, yes, score. <laughs> That's a long shot. <laughs> but, like, I yeah. would never, ever take a shot like that in hunting. Yeah. But then when I looked more into you and I saw that you had been able to shoot a balloon over 200 yards, that says a lot to me. So talk to me about your opinion on taking long shots on animals. Um, yeah, I don't, I never, I never talk about taking long shots. Because you don't want people... I don't want people saying, well, he shoots it this far, I can too. Because everybody's different, every situation's different, every animal's body language is different. So you can't say, if I say, um, people ask me all the time, well, what's the longest you take on a shot you take on an animal? I'm like, I don't know. I'm never going to answer that. Never, ever going to answer You could it. answer it, but you don't want to. I'm not going to, but yeah. because an 80-yard shot at an animal looking at you, facing you, is different than an 80-yard shot at an animal that has no idea you're there. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I can't say 80 yards only if this, only if that, only if that, you know what I mean? It's, it, there's way too many variables. Yeah. I think that's very responsible of you and I'm not going to push you on that because I really like that answer. Okay. Talk to me about training because I think it's very important that you practice with a bow often if you're going to be a responsible hunter. Yeah. I shoot my bow every day. The thing with my whole, my whole, I'm not naturally good at anything. And I've said this before, people aren't born a naturally good bow hunter. That's something you develop. But so I train, I shoot my bow every day. I lift weights every day and I run every day just to be the best hunter I can be. Can I ask you, what's the longest you've had to pack out an animal? <sighs> because I can totally understand how you would need to be in good physical condition to do that. Packed a bull elk 12 miles. So that's multiple trips. Okay. So you, you back and forth, back and forth is 24 miles. Well, one, yeah. one time. So and I you're mean, it's solo. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you got to be able to grind. Okay. I love it. The grind, keep hammering. Yeah. Um, You have to, that's all there is to it. You got to, you owe it to the animal to get that meat out. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Why kill a monkey? Um, well, it's over there and, and I was, you're speaking of Tanzania. The picture that you posted that caused the uproar. Yeah. Um, it was, uh. Baboon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's like, they cause so much damage over there. And they actually over there, they'll come in. Um, it was, didn't happen when we, when we were there, but they'll come in the villages where the, like the, the native Tanzanians live and they'll tear up stuff. They'll, they've even killed babies. Come in there. Have you seen their teeth? Yeah. Like bite into the skulls of oh, my God, infants. My they make a mess. They they tear up a lot of stuff, and yeah. Did you have a hard time doing that, like taking that shot, or in your no. mind were you like, "No, nah, I can totally justify this." Yeah, it's like it's a different world over there. Is there an animal that you wouldn't be able to take? Um, does it matter to you if you can't eat it? Yeah, it's uh, you know, like I killed a hyena. I would never eat one of those. Those are they're disgusting. But there's so, way too many hyenas over there, and they, they all they do is kill. And they are, I mean, the plus are really hard to kill. You just don't see them. They're out at night. They're saying they need to have automatic weapons at night in spotlights, just an open season to get the, rid of those things. It's mm-hmm. just like so. I had a chance at one, and uh, you know, I killed killed a big male. And that's another thing where, I mean, they can even run off the lions. They're just, man, I don't know. So over there, it's like, you know, you, people sit here, they sit at in, in their own little world, and they make these judgments on what should be killed and what shouldn't without ever, don't, they don't even know what's going on in that culture, in that area. So when you're there, you know, you can sit here and say, oh, I don't think I ever would. But then you get over there and you're like, Okay, this is different, and so it's it's sort of you know situational. Do you think that all hunters are conservationists, or do you think that it's thrown around lightly? Yeah, I don't think all hunters are. I mean, when I first started hunting, I didn't even know what probably conservation meant. You know what I mean? As far as hunting goes, I was just I wanted to go and get a buck. It's like, did you get your buck this year? Right. Yeah, I killed a three by three. That was it. It's like, well, 
what about, are you a conservationist? I'd be like, what? (laughs) 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 What about now? Do you feel like you're a conservationist? I I do. Yeah. Now I understand it. What's your big cause? Like if you are focusing on something right now, what is your big focus? Are you real up on the public land issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's just, it's, I think explaining, I don't know, just how it all works, you know, how hunters are conservationists, how our money and how the, the kills and the balancing of, of everything, of the ecosystem and the, and the animals that inhabit it, how that all works and how hunters are play that role and fund conservation. And um, I think now I understand it better after all these years, and now I'm, I'm able to explain to others, you know, who don't. And so I, I, you know, I take that role. It's, it's a lot of, it's response. I mean, I got to be responsible of that role. I got to understand it and I got to, I mean, it's important. So you have a lot of eyes on you. Yeah. Is that the message that you want to convey? If you had to put out one message to all these people on your platform, what would it be? (laughs) I hate, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm that good to, I'm not Steve Ranella. There's so many guys better than me at, at verbalizing stances and what they stand for. You know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a bow hunter. I love what I do. I do enjoy inspiring people. I understand that I do have an important role in this because of the eyes on me. So I try to do the right thing and I don't want to let anybody down, but I can't sit here and just give this verbal, here's my mission statement. I can't do it. I'm just not that good. That's totally fair. Well, at least you're honest about it. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I want to be, I want to be a role model. I want to do the right thing, but I screw up all the time. Okay, I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Do you use your shoulders to release, or do you use your finger? Finger. Why? Yeah. I don't know. That's just how I've done it. You know, I know people are using the back tension releases, and the I, I've always just used uh, like the spot hog wise guy, and it's just a regular wrist strap with the trigger. So that's just what I've done for 30 years. Okay. Do you take a front-on shot ever on an animal? (laughs) Remember, I don't talk about stuff like that. That's fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. This is just my own personal knowledge. How heavy of a bow are you shooting? 80. Okay. 80 pounds. And if they'd make me 90, I'd shoot it. Uh, You know, I've been judged critically for shooting 80 or 90 pounds. Like, oh, you don't need to shoot that much weight. And it's just like people, people just like to find something to complain about, I think. They really do. Or to, or to take shots at, at me about or, or whatever. So it's just, I don't know. What I always say is just shoot what's comfortable, shoot the most that is comfortable because, you know, it's, it's going to deliver a harder hitting arrow that will perform better if it gets there at a higher velocity. But, you can't sacrifice accuracy just to pull a heavier bow. So I would just say, just shoot, shoot what you can comfortably, and uh, at the highest poundage, um, shoot every day. Be dedicated to your craft, and just respect the animal and the journey. I mean, you know, don't don't lose sight of why you're out there. Never put the kill or never misprioritize. I guess, and you know, because at the end of the day, that there's a there's a life at stake. You know, you're killing an animal. That's serious. And so I, you know, again, I haven't always been perfect. I haven't, I haven't always had this mindset, you know, I was a young man coming up and, and didn't really have the worldly view that I have now. And I'm, I'm still developing. I don't have all the answers now, but I do respect the animals and, uh, and the life 
that I'm taking. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you so much for listening. 